Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Father, I come to you this morning. God, I need your help today, Lord, to share, God, your word, to share the scriptures. I pray, oh God, that perhaps it could, Lord, minister to someone, Lord, sitting in this place today. Pray, God, that you would touch every male, every father, Lord, here this morning. Help us, God, to lean in, Lord, to what the Spirit may be saying. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for this, Lord, group of people, Lord, that are here today. God, I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, our time here will not be in vain, but God will go away with something that our minds can ponder, Lord, perhaps for days to come. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Foundational, foundational fathers. The verses of scripture that I read in your hearing this morning are included at the end of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Jesus has finished praying himself and upon finishing, one of his disciples asked him if they, the disciples, the 12 of them, if they could be taught how to pray as well. They many times had witnessed the Lord, whether it be at a distance or close, pray a prayer or many times see him come back in the morning time when he had been up a great while before day and been to a place of prayer. And so upon him finishing, this disciple asked, Lord, could you teach us to pray as well? And so within this this subject matter or this context of prayer, Jesus begins to teach them and he taught them the importance of their persistence in prayer being consistent in prayer by sharing a story of a friend that was coming to another friend of his at night. The Bible says that the friend was knocking upon the door of his friend and was basically saying, friend, I have a journeyer that have come to me from afar and I don't have anything to give them for them to eat and may I trouble you perhaps for three loaves of bread and the voice on the other side of the door inside of the dwelling said I I've already went to bed my children are in bed with me we have been resting I I cannot I cannot arise and and give you as you need but the Bible says because of the man's importunity or because of his persistence that the man did indeed get up and give him exactly what he needed. And so within this subject matter of prayer, Jesus is teaching us and his disciples about being persistent in their prayer. Jesus would continue then to teach this idea of perseverance or consistency in prayer in their asking and in their seeking and in their knocking. Jesus said, for everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Each of those words, asketh and seeketh and knocketh, they all end with that little ending of ETH, which denotes a continued action. Jesus is teaching them something that you do not just ask, but you keep on asking. 
and you keep on seeking and you keep on knocking. You're persistent in your prayer because it's that type of determination and that resolve that secures answers. Uh, it finds answers. It's opening the door for answers to our prayers in our life. And so Jesus is building a case for his disciples that answers come through diligence, through persistence. And then it would seem as though Jesus switches from focusing on the consistency and the persistence of prayer to focusing on the faithfulness of the one to whom you pray. He's trying to tie a knot, so to speak, for answered prayers around two primary aspects. Number one, our consistency in praying, but also our Heavenly Father's faithfulness in answering our request. And so as he does this, he comes to the passage that I read to your hearing. And it seems as though the Lord hinges the regularity. He hinges the goodness of our heavenly father upon the natural tendencies of earthly fathers. He uses the natural role of fatherhood as a basis, as a foundation as an example that his own, those own fatherly traits of our heavenly father kind of match, if not exceed the traits of natural earthly fathers and the role of fatherhood. And so as men today, man, we should feel pretty good. Sincerely, we should feel pretty good that when the Lord's explaining all this and talking about the heavenly father, he starts with the basis or the origin as earthly fathers. It should speak volumes to, to you and I that, that Jesus would resort to the human role of fatherhood as a starting point to demonstrate how much more our heavenly father cares for us and how much more our heavenly father will make sure our needs are supplied and how much more our heavenly father will supply what we are in need of. So ever father just say amen. Man, I'm feeling pretty good. It's hard to keep the button, you know, button here when you think about God using fatherhood as an illustration, as a starting point for his own goodness. And that may be the case. And be that, that as that may be that Jesus did that. In our generation, there is a picture as well that's given to males and fatherhood. In our generation, the alpha wolf has become an emblem of the dominant male and for many dominant male fathers. The idea behind this is that men or even fathers that would exude the attitude, no one is going to tell me what to do. I'll fight to the top if necessary. I'm big and I'm bad enough to handle whatever comes my way. My word is the only word that matters. I'll sacrifice anything to achieve what I want. And as a result, in the lives that we live in society, wives and children have received the brunt, if you will, of these types of attitudes. Many families have suffered or are suffering. Even today, social media networks that many people are connected to have portrayed these alpha wolf type personalities in little memes or in little 
pictures as just another lone wolf that's howling at the moon. Clothing companies have even picked up on and have depicted on these shirts snarling wolves that are foaming at the mouth with exposed fangs in dark and sinister environments to convey this wolf, this male type attitude that we're supposed to have of being bad, nothing to be messed with type of personality that men and fathers are, are supposed to be attempting to be like. Pop culture even has weighed in on it. They have idolized the alpha wolf, showing sometimes pictures of fangs with blood that's dripping from the mouth. Amen. Just to try to paint a picture of the way that men are supposed to be, the way that fatherhood is supposed to be. Someone that takes no prisoners, live life with no restraints, take what's yours and never say sorry. Yet, if you were to be any other type, it's like, you know, that's weakness. That's vulnerability if you're a father or a man that truly can love. That's not to be tolerated, you know, according to society. Amen. We're supposed to be people that are strong and aggressive and dominant. Amen. Put our foot down, so to speak, and be able to square our shoulders back and not be pushed around. Yet, the Bible, according to my scripture that I read to you today, I have this assurance that if the father image, and Jesus was talking about natural fathers here, if the father image that we have even in our society is that fathers are nothing but cheats, then good news for you today, God is much more than a cheat to us. That if the father figure that you have in your mind is nothing but a violent father, then you have good news for you, then God is much more than violent for you. If your father figure is an irresponsible loser in your own words and terms, then God is much more than an irresponsible loser to you. The fatherly idea that we have, amen, might be of somebody that is uncompassionate bully, but if that's the case, God says, I'll be much more than that to you. Someone say amen. amen. But the attention of Jesus, the attention of the master was that fatherhood would serve as the foundation, the starting point for the much more of God. Certainly he is much more than everything that I listed to you today. Amen, but it would be nice in our world if God didn't have to raise up from the depths of deterioration so much and that fathers could just give good gifts and God could just give better gifts. But we live in a day that it seems like he has to plunge to the depths. He has to plunge to some of the dark corners to be the much more that some people need or what some people have experienced in their own life. But thank God that there is hope Thank God that if we haven't had the best of view of our fathers in this natural world, we have a heavenly father that does have better gifts and might I even say the best gifts for you and I. We have a responsibility. If God said, look at the natural fathers and I'll do much more than that, do you realize Christian folk are unsaved alike? It matters not that as fathers that we totally dismantled the divine illustration that Jesus was using for his disciples and even for us in our generation, when we don't even uh, function according as Jesus would say, I know they give good gifts. See, Jesus had an expectation of natural fathers. Even in that day, he says, I know they give good gifts. And he says, and I give better gifts. I don't want to dismantle the illustration of Jesus because I come short in even giving good gifts or providing for my family or, or being a compassionate husband to my wife. I don't want to dismantle his, his illustration, but there are generations of people, both past and present, that have a skewed idea of their heavenly father because the natural role of fatherhood has veered off course. In essence, 
Whenever I thought about this week, in essence, when I realized that as a father, I could literally, Bishop, take away from Scripture or at least pervert the intention of Scripture by not performing or functioning according to the role that Jesus said, you being as you are, you can still yet give good gifts. If I don't function in that capacity or in that role, to think that I could alter the mindset, amen, of people's understanding of Scripture because I've made fatherhood something less than what it really is. I feel the weight then of that because I understand then Jesus used fatherhood and the role of fathers as the starting foundational place of a greater revelation he wanted to give them, which was himself. The Bible says in Job 12 and verse 7, he says, but ask now the beast and they shall teach thee and the fowls of the air and they shall tell thee or speak to the earth and it shall teach thee and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Job says there are some things that we can learn from the animal kingdom. There are some things we can learn from the earth. Jeremiah told us we cannot change our ethnicity any more than a leopard can change its spots. Moses told us that God interacted with the nation of Israel just as an eagle that stirs up her nest, flutters her feathers over its young, and even bears them upon her wings. They're teaching something through the animal kingdom. Solomon told the sluggard, he said, consider the ant. He's teaching something through the animal kingdom. And today's men, as I've already alluded to, even fathers, many times has taken their cue from the alpha wolf or the alpha male. Dominion and dominance and power. Now there is some legitimacy this morning in the picture of the alpha wolf. But I'm here to tell you today, it's really only one-sided. Because it can be wild, it can be aggressive, it can be a savage, but it also can be protective and nurturing and tender. For most of the 20th century, researchers believe that the gray wolf packs formed each winter among independent and unrelated wolves that live live near each other. They had reached this conclusion from observing groups of wolves that had been taken from various zoos and thrown together in captivity. It was under these circumstances that researchers observed that wolves would organize a pack hierarchy based on physical aggression and dominance. The alpha male wolf then was a strong fighter that would beat others and just take names later, so to speak. And though that painted a picture of an alpha wolf, it was based upon really a flawed reality. A reality that our society hasn't totally escaped from quite yet. It was not based upon a wolf in its own habitat in the wild in nature. It was based upon wolves that have been in zoos and then put together in captivity. Observations, though, on the other hand, in wild showed something differently. Instead of forming from packs, of unrelated individuals in which alphas compete to rise to the top of and become an alpha male, researchers discovered that a wild wolf pack in nature actually consists of a nuclear core of that wolf's family. Wolves are generally monogamous species that mate for life. The packs they form, amen, the alphas are the leaders of, are their own 
families. And true, an alpha male is then a father, is this. An alpha male isn't just some dominant, aggressive thing that fought his way to the top. But an alpha male is a father that's leading his family, which is his pack. Ferociousness didn't make him the head of that pack, amen, but being a faithful father made him the head of the pack. He's an alpha because he's the patriarch of them. He's an alpha because he's a daddy that protects his family. He's an alpha because he treats his kids with kindness and generosity and love. For centuries, they thought it was somebody was dominant and aggressive fighting his way to the top. No, he's at the top because he's the dad. He's at the top because he's the father. He's not dominant, amen, to his family, to his pack. He's loving and caring and generous to them. Someone say amen. See, just in the scripture, just as marriage, and even in society, we see God had a framework, an idea, and a concept for marriage in the Bible. And of course, it has went a total direction, different direction in society. Marriage has been attacked. It continually suffers at the hands even of governing bodies for redefinition, trying to redefine marriage. But on the same token, fatherhood has been left if I could say it like this, like a ship that's, that's, that's lost its moorings. It's just at the mercy of the sea. In Ephesians and Corinthians, marriage and the role of a man and a woman within the context of marriage, the apostle Paul underscored that that was the model or that was the pattern of Christ and his church. He said this, Speaking of marriage is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And when that foundation is tempered with, when the definition of marriage and a man and a woman, a husband and a wife is tempered with, people then begin to misunderstand the concept of Christ and his church and the relationship between the two. But just as well, when the infrastructure of fatherhood is diluted, when the infrastructure of fatherhood, if you will, is altered, then people relate to God, their heavenly father, at arm's distance. They don't want relationship with him. They don't want to pull him in close. They want to stay at bay. I, I'm telling you right now today, we've been in too many places where there's been young women in these prisons that they have a hard time embracing their heavenly father because they didn't have good relationships with their natural father. It was the basis to help springboard their relationship with the heavenly father. That's what Jesus is saying. You give good gifts, I'll give better gifts. He was looking for a foundation and a place of origin to start from but if you remove the origin or if you make the origin further away than what it ought to be then there's a great chasm there's a further distance that has to be traveled and so therefore what we need today we need and we must be loving fathers for the sake of our wife and for the sake of our children we got to be dependable fathers for our communities and for our church and by all means we must be respectable fathers for the sake of society's perception of God and his faithfulness in answering their needs. We need some foundational fathers. Everybody say foundational. We need some foundational fathers. See, alpha wolves, or if I could call them dads, alpha dads stick around until their pups are fully matured. Alpha dads provide for their family. Talking about wolves here. Alpha dads, they smack down all the predators. They steal all the threats of enemies to their home. They howl. 
It's seen today. You can get t-shirt, get tattoo, get whatever you want with a, a wolf that's howling at the moon. That's manly. That's dominant. That's courageous. But from my understanding, alpha wolves howl to assemble their mate and pups before and after a hunt. They howl to warn them of danger and to be able to locate each other during a storm. when they're traversing unfamiliar territory or when they're separated over a great distance. That's not a how that's saying, I'm boss. That's a how that's saying, I care for you and need to know that you're where I'm at, that we're close together, that we're in this thing together because I feel a wind blowing that is not something good and we'll be better off doing this thing together than we will apart. Oh, someone say amen. Amen. It's the call not of a angry or antisocial lone wolf, but it is, if you will, a foundational father who's leading his pack, guiding his pack, loving his family. Jesus said, if a son asks any of you that is a father, that's what he said, of bread, Will his father give him a stone? The rhetorical question you answer in your mind is like, no. If a son would ask fish, will his father give him a serpent? And you're saying, no, or at least we hope so. <laughs> if he would ask an egg, would his heavenly father, would his father rather, natural father, give him a scorpion? And the answer in our minds is no. Let me say something on this wise. Just because the father is loving and kind to his family and he stays home sometimes just to spend time with him and his kids. And he holds down a steady job. <laughs> and sometimes he sacrifices fishing trips for family vacations. doesn't mean that he's some limp wrist passive towering male over in the corner in the fetal position sucking his thumb say well brother McGee what about being tenacious you want to see a fundamental father that is tenacious and assertive he will whenever something's coming toward his family He's not trying to be dominant just for the purpose of being dominant for himself, but he's dominant with a cause. It's for those that he is over in the care, amen, that's underneath his watching. Amen. When it's necessary, he will be assertive and he will be tenacious. Amen. But more than often, he is just seen as having a steady strength and it's showcased in his good care. If I could say it like this, it's showcased in the good gifts he gives his family, in the good gifts he gives his children. And I'm not talking about monetary things. I'm just talking about the love and the compassion and the kindness and the concern that he shows toward his family. And though we may be and we are all of us are though we may be corrupt by nature and give good gifts to 
our children. Amen. And we don't want to do them any harm. Amen. We answer their needs whenever they are there. Amen. That's the very thing. That's the foundation. That's the starting point that Jesus wanted to capitalize on. He says it's those very traits of being given good gifts and not wanting to harm those within your family that I want to use as a springboard and assure society and assure communities and assure the family and the church that your heavenly father can give even better gifts than what you've got from your natural father to the degree of the gift of the Holy Ghost. So much amen. So being an alpha dad isn't so much about being the top or being at the top as much as it is being the bedrock. As much as it is being the foundation at the bottom of the family structure. It's about being an example of faithfulness. Hallelujah. It's about being an example of faithfulness that people can relate to and that will help lead them to greater faithfulness of our creator God. It's about helping the reasoning that if my father gave me good gifts, then my creator can give me the best gifts. It's about helping stoke the belief that you know what? Because remember, he's speaking in the context of prayer. It's about stoking the belief that there is effectiveness in prayer. Because if the natural can answer earthly needs, how much more can your heavenly father? But he used men, the role of fathers, as the foundation. And so I'm making a plea today. It's humid outside. Starting to condensate on my face, it's so humid. I'm making a plea today. That as fathers, we would arise and fulfill our role. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying we need to set the tone for the greatest gift that God wants to give. And he said, that's the Holy Spirit. We got to set the pattern for answered prayers by attending to the needs of our families. Because if we don't, I still got good news for you. God can give to a degree much more than what you're receiving. For every wife that hasn't had a proper example of a husband, there's a heavenly father that can give you much more. For every child that hasn't had what Jesus considered to be the common model of a father, God can give you much more. And whether that level starts down here or whether that level starts up here, amen, God can provide, the scripture says, much more. As Paul wrote to the church at Rome in the New Testament scripture in the book of Romans, he discussed a man. He discussed a father that missed the mark. He discussed a father that missed the mark in being a foundational father of humanity. He was 
the first man that he was speaking of. He was the first father, amen, that Paul was speaking of. Yet he failed in giving good gifts. Of course, I'm talking to you about the man Adam, first man and first father. Paul said this in Romans 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. He's talking about Adam. He's talking about the first father. Sin entered into the world because of this one man and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Verse 14 says, nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses all because of the first father. Amen. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam. Because of Adam's mess up, the foundation was taken so low that it made everybody else have the same foundation. We are all born into the world sinners because of one man, one father, Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Do you understand? He was the figure of Christ Jesus that was to come. Christ set it all up in the beginning as a good foundation to be able to go from good to better. But because of Adam's transgression, the foundation plummeted. The foundation plummeted. The Bible says that Adam was made in the image and in the likeness of God. Amen. But whenever it was spoken of his son Seth, Adam's son Seth, the Bible says that Seth, which was Adam's offspring, was made in the likeness and the image of Adam. A flawed Adam. An Adam that had known transgression. So humanity took on the likeness and the image of a flawed, might I say, father. And so that's the gift that the first father gave to his children. A flawed man, a flawed father. But it's important to realize that Paul is using that flawed father as his background when he states these scriptures. And I'm just going to run through a few of these in Romans 5. Romans 5 and 9 with Adam being that flawed father, that flawed background. Here's what Paul says. He says, everybody say much more. Much more then. Being now justified by his blood, speaking of Christ Jesus, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10 says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Everybody say much more. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He says in verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, speaking of the flawed father, many be dead. Everybody say much more. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Christ Jesus, hath abounded unto many. Verse number 17, if or if by one man's offense, speaking of the flawed father again, death reigned by one. Everybody say much more. They which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. The Bible says in verse 20, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. You know what Jesus told those disciples? I'm dependent upon natural fathers as the basis to build me being the one that will give better gifts, the best gift, even the Holy Ghost. But Paul follows it up and says, although humanity has failed us and they have faltered and they've been, if you will, in the if you will of the dirt God is able to give you much more justification much more reconciliation much more grace because not only should we be foundational fathers but we have the father of much more among us today someone say yes <laughs> Woo. much more justification 
much more reconciliation, much more grace. I want you to be a good father, Jesus says. But ye being evil, ye being as bad as you are in effect and influence, if you even end up being a horrible father as Adam was, he said you have the hope that there is a father of much more. That gives good gifts. That gives much more justified just as though you didn't do something. That gives much more reconciliation. That, do you understand how he's ministering to a society? He says, I'll give you much more justification. When you justify something, justice is getting what it deserves, right? Justice, you get what you deserve. You do the crime, you do the time. That's justice being served. Everybody in the court system, whether it's small claims court or big court, we want justice. That's to cry. What they're saying is they want to come to whoever did whatever it to come. But the justification of the Lord is that he, he does something to you and he makes you just as though you had never done it. And so where Adam, one man's sin came upon everybody and they were guilty of the very thing Adam was guilty of, although they did not do the deed, they were not after the similitude, the Bible says, of Adam's transgression. Though that was on, all on me, you know what my heavenly father did? He says, I'll bring justice. I'll make it just as though you never had done that. Much more. You know what we're doing for society? Then all of that estranges us what from God? Or we have this separation in our members and our parts? He says, you know what I'll do? I'll do much more reconciliation. What is that? That is bringing the gap together and healing the wound. He says, I'll give much more reconciliation. He says, and I'll give much more grace unto you as well. That's our heavenly father, regardless of wherever your footsteps have trod concerning your earthly father. We have a God, a father of much more. James even said it like this in James 1 and verse number 17. And you can stand with me today. I'll, I'll come to a close. James 1 and verse number 17. James said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning jesus offers the better gifts the best gift he offers the gift of the Holy Ghost. He hears, he answers the prayers, the needs of his children. And he tells his disciples in that model prayer of Luke 11. What did he say to begin with? He says, you want to be taught how to pray? He says, when you pray, say. Our Father, which art in heaven Whew. he said you all could have your own letter and words written and sayings about your earthly fathers he said but when you pray say our father which art in heaven I am just totally taken back that God would use fatherhood as a foundation for explaining needs being met, prayers being answered. 
and him being able to do it even to a degree above and beyond. And we need undoubtedly in our world today, we need some foundational fathers. We need people that although we are corrupt by nature, that we know how to do good. We know how to walk. We know how to act appropriately in society and among other members of this earth. But thank goodness, thank goodness, that if we don't even have that type of example within arm's reach in our families and homes, thanks goodness that those are not reliable perhaps to you or have been reliable to you, that none of us are any further than anybody else from the Father of much more. And that is our great God in heaven. Because I'll tell you today, when there isn't a father to hold you, he will. When there isn't a father to listen to you, he will. When there isn't a father to be concerned about the woundings of your life or whatever you may presently be going through, you can call upon God. And he will listen. And he will care. And he'll be the God, the father of much more. If we bow our heads in this place today. I'm grateful today for our earthly fathers. Thank God for them. Thank God for the patterns that they have given us. And I hope that they are alpha males in the sense of, of true, true packs of, of families that are howling, if you will, to keep track of people during storms and, you know, to be of aid and generosity, you know, to their loved ones. And that's a great, that's a great start point. That's a great foundation Amen. To be able to come to God by knowing that you have perhaps a good relationship with your father, knowing that God can go above and beyond that. But I am pulling today for people that may be sitting here and the father figure of your life perhaps have not has not amen, been an example or your husband has not been the example that God is here today. He, I know he cannot per se come down in this moment in time. He already walked up on the earth of Jesus Christ. He's not going to come down and be a literal husband to you or a literal father to you or, or a literal you know, father to the children. But there's a God here today that if you will pray, if you'll open your mouth in some persistence and ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking, if you'll be faithful in your request, I promise you that he's faithful in his response. He's faithful in his response. Can we talk to the Lord right now all over this place? There may be some people here this morning. This may not have anything to do with natural father for you. It may simply mean this, that you need to have an introduction to a heavenly father this morning. That can bestow the best gifts, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Folks, that is the best gift. You might receive monetary things, and we're thankful for those. But there is no better gift than what the Heavenly Father can give, and that's the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Scripture tells us in John, Jesus told Nicodemus, If you have not the Spirit of Christ, if you're not born again of the water and of the Spirit, you can't see or even enter into the kingdom of God. You need the gift of the Holy Ghost. You need the gift that the Heavenly Father, that best gift that He has for you, pales in comparison to anything else. Amen. But God is even here this morning, eager, loving, compassionate, and wanting to give you a better gift than you've ever had, the best gift that you'll ever have. And that's the gift of the Holy Ghost. These altars are open today. Brother McGee, how can I get that gift? How can I secure that gift for my own life? 
sir or ma'am it's very simple it's very simple just repentance make an about face a turn around in your life it's a change of mind and we all know that change change in our mind affects our behavior how we think affects how we walk when we make that change of mind and we repent we also can be baptized in the lovely name or you should be baptized in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ the Bible says for the remission of your sins and it says ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost you want to talk about every good and perfect gift that cometh from above from the Father of lights that's the Holy Ghost for you today that's the Holy Ghost for you today we need foundational fathers but thank God that we have a clause in this Bible that even if that hasn't taken place we have the assurance of a good father we have the assurance of a father that is the father of much more hallelujah these altars are open today if you desire to raise your hand and pray in your pew or come to the front and kneel or stand up front god is calling us today amen lord i'm going to recognize you as the father of much more I've tried to look for certain things in my earthly life, God, from earthly relationships. Sometimes I've been disappointed. Sometimes I've bowed my head in tears because of the disappointment. But God, I'm going to turn to you today. I'm going to turn to you because you're the Heavenly Father. You're the Father that gives good, perfect gifts, Lord. Much more gifts. And I need that for my life. God, I'm going through some things right now. And I need a Father to, to, to just touch my hand and walk with me. I, I'm facing some things. And there's some things that I don't understand. And I need, I need a Father. I need a Father in my life. Let God be your Father today. Would you allow Him to be your Father today? Amen. I know he can't necessarily come down and be your biological father, but he is the creator of us all. Let him be your father today. Hallelujah. Brother Mason, can we sing right now? Amen. Let's pray. Let's talk to God. Hallelujah. I need you, Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.